0: just where I stand today. I've never known this kind of heartbreak. I've never felt this kind of pain. But you're still God when my eyes have cried a million tears. You're still God when my life. You're still God, and I know you'll make a way somehow. You're still God, and you're holding me right now. My heart can't find the answer or the reason this trial, but Norla, I know your ways are perfect, and you've been watching all
1: Thank you, Sister Betty. And uh as always, did a wonderful, wonderful job. Uh let's head to God's Word, Acts 17. Let's go ahead and dive off into it. <clears throat> the Word of God has to the title, the message, I hope you picked up a bulletin. You can kind of follow along is All I Want Is Jesus. I think about uh Christmas time and uh i remember a song all i want for christmas is my two front teeth or something like that and uh what what do we want for revival all i want what do i want and that's a good question to say or at, to ask yourself this morning what do you want from revival uh the matter of fact this morning you could say well all i want somebody could say this morning is my health i just want my health all i want is a right relationship with God all I want is a a good marriage all I want is a uh uh, for God to take care of my kids some of y'all are in a lot of I think about the Woods family a lot of transition a lot of different transition there and and many of you've had a lot of transition in your life uh whether it be this last year or whatever there's a lot of stuff happening what do you want from God this morning if you could have anything if God would give you anything you wanted, what would it be? That's a pretty significant question, isn't it? A lot of times what we want is physical. Well, I want my health restored. Nothing wrong with that. But did you know one day, uh, what about something spiritual? I want somebody to be saved. My family member is lost. Did you know all of us, and there's nothing wrong with praying for health, but one of these days our Everybody's health is going to fail. I mean, all of us, we're only living here for a short time when we want God to take care of us. And I think about what the Paul made a transition in our text. And, uh, but I've got a few things I want to talk about for Revival Begins Tonight. I know a lot of you are busy. And I'm praying that you will take time out to come to Revival Services let it be a part of your schedule. Uh, if you are a part of Sunday school class, many of the Sunday school classes are, are feed and supper this week. It'll be a chance for you to visit with each other, with our evangelist and our uh, choir director that's coming. Uh, visit with them. Encourage, let them encourage you. Now, many times when... Uh, People talk about revival There's problems going on In people's hearts And lives You can pretend there's no problems The problems will not go away Will they? Just to pretend they're not there You can also play the blame game Well, you can blame life You can say, well, this is the reason That I'm not living for the Lord I've seen people drop out of serving God because of insignificant things. Uh, They can say, well, somebody said something to me. Well, you know, I've worked a lot of jobs. Uh, Matter of fact, I had like five different jobs while I was going to seminary and college and just odd and end jobs. And it just there's always going to be somebody say something to you. I mean, you. It just because somebody says something to you you don't like at work doesn't mean that you quit your job or quit serving the Lord or quit this or quit that. There's all sorts of reasons that we can be discouraged. But let's not blame other people. Let's look at our own heart and say, what do I need to do for revival? We worry a lot of times about what other people think, about what other people may say. In looking at our text, Paul didn't worry about that at all. I just want to pick up in Acts 17, verse 16. Acts 17:16. It says this. Now, while Paul waited, he was waiting for Silas and Timothy to come on back. For them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him, and when he saw the whole city given to idolatry, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews, with devout persons in the market daily. With them that met him, met with him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some said, What will this babbler say? Others, some, he seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. And he took him, and he brought him unto Areopagus, saying, we, may we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, and we know, therefore, what these things would mean. And for all the Athenians and strangers which were spent their time and nothing else but either to tell or to hear some new thing. Then Paul stood in the midst of Mars Hill and said, You men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are too superstitious. In other words, they believed anything that came along or they just wanted to hear a new tale. And he says, "'For I pass by, and behold your devotions. And I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God, whom therefore you ignorantly worship, him I declare unto you. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands.' Let me stop there. This is a great way to witness to somebody that has uh, a lot of religious background. They had a lot of religious background. Let's just go all the way back to the beginning. Let me tell you about God that made everything. Matter of fact, I was talking to a missionary in Africa one time. You know, and where he was at in Africa was eat up with witchcraft and what we would call voodoo and different things like that, a lot of superstition, a lot of uh, like spells and, and different sayings like this. Okay, so he said, "Let me tell you about the God that made everything," and that's where the missionaries started with these people, and it worked. He said, "Let me tell you what happened to his son." Whenever uh, they first heard about that God that made heaven, sent a son, and the the way the people treated him. The people started crying immediately. How could people treat God who made heaven, his son, that way? And uh, it was amazing. them. That's where uh, Paul took off. And he says, uh, he begins in verse 25. He's not worshipped with men's hands. In other words, he can't make a statue that looks like God as though he needeth anything, seeing that he give life and breath to all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on all the face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation. In other words, he put people everywhere, all over the earth. That they should seek the Lord, if happily they might feel after him and find him, though he be not far from every one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being as certain also of your own poets have said so he's already quoting their own poets for we are as offspring for as much then as we are the offspring of god we ought not to think that the godhead is likened to silver or gold or silver or stone graven by art of men's devices and the times of this ignorant god winked at but now commandeth all men everywhere to repent behold He hath appointed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. So right there in 30 and 31, you're saying everybody needs to repent. Repent of what? That we're all sinners. And what else? Next it says this. He's going to judge. Did you know all of you are going to stand before God? Every one of us in this room are going to stand before Almighty God. He's going to be our judge. And then it says in verse 32, well... It says, He hath given assurance unto all men in that He hath raised them from the dead. Talking about Jesus. And when He had heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, and others said, We will hear thee again of this matter. So Paul departed from among them, howbeit certain men clave unto him and believed, among the which was Dionysus and Aragat, and a woman named Demarius, and others with them. After these things, Paul departed from Athens and came to Corinth. Now, if you will, so he left Athens and he went to start a church in the city of Corinth. Head to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. That's just a few pages over. Now, I know this is a lengthy reading, but let's get after it. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God... For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech was, uh, and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Uh, I remember one time whenever... uh Vince Lombardi, the famous coach of the Green Bay Packers, he had gotten disgusted after the Green Bay Packers had lost a football game. And he said, fellas, we need to get back to the basics. And he grabbed a football and he said, this is a football. Now that's getting back to the basics, okay? And sometimes I think we, you know, get caught up in you. Y'all come to church and you come to church on Sunday morning or ever how often you come, and we get caught up in life, but we forget what it's all about. And basically, they were going through the motions of playing the game. And here, Paul, there's nothing wrong with what Paul did there at Athens. He preached with a lot of wisdom, a lot of intelligence, and he preached, but he was stirred in the Spirit. And he preached with enthusiasm, but the thing is, is that he debated with, uh, kind of like, You know, trying to argue somebody in the heaven man, he is man. He's full of wisdom, and there's great things about debating and saying, "Well, you believe this, and I believe this. Well, what about this, and what about that?" That's asking questions, and questions are good. But you know, when he then the Bible says he left there, there was three people mentioned that got saved, and that sermon was worth it. If that's all that got saved in Athens. There's never a recording, the fact that there was ever a church there at Athens, Athens, Greece. I mean, it's still there today. But guess what? Paul said, okay, I'm moving on to where God wants me. He went to Corinth, and it says here when he got to Corinth, he said, well, man, I I debated some people, and I did this with some people, but when I got to Corinth, I changed my strategy." I just need to get back to the basics. And here in our text, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says, verse 1, I just got through preaching with a bunch of fancy words, and when I got to Corinth, they're country folks, and so I'm just going to leave the fancy words off, and I'm just going to preach Jesus. That's basically what he's saying here in very simple terminology. If we want revival, let's boil it down to the basics. What do we need to do to have revival? I want to ask all of you, we cannot have revival if we're not saved. And I want to ask every one of you in this room this morning, are you saved? Are you going to heaven when you die? Think about it. That's just a point blank, easy question. When you die, when you draw your last breath, are you going to heaven? The only way to go to heaven is to have a personal relationship with Jesus. How do you do that? Ask, realize you're a sinner and ask Him to save you. Don't just say, I believe. Believe in, That's like saying, I believe in George Washington. You can believe that anybody existed. That's not asking Him to be your Savior. Just saying, I believe. That Jesus, you can even say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Well, the devils even know that. Asking him, saying, I am a sinner and I need a Savior. Asking Him to be your Savior. Folks, I'm I'm trying to boil it down to the basics. What is it going to take for revival? Some change is needed. I ask you I mean, some people say I believe I'm saved. Well, do you remember ever asking Jesus Christ into your heart? You know, I think about what life is all about. Notice again, verse. I'm. In, I just want to hang out. If you have your Bible or whatever, just keep it open to First Corinthians chapter two. He's saying, "I tried not to be fancy." In verse one, verse two says, "I determined not to know anything among you." Save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Jesus died for you. He died and rose again so that you could go to heaven. Are we going? You know, my sister is here today i will never forget the time you know I, i i being the older brother i picked at her a lot while but i didn't know any better i was the idiot older brother gave her a hard time laughed at her when she got in trouble which wasn't very often so i reveled in it when she did but uh but i remember whenever i was 18 years old Didn't, you know, I thought that Dana loved me, but, you know, sister, brother, that sort of thing. I remember when I moved out of the house at 18, and it was, we had a long wheelbase beige Toyota truck and moved all of my belongings, which fit in the back of an old-timey Toyota truck. Y'all don't remember how big those were, all my belongings. Moved to Menden, Louisiana, dropped off my stuff, Mom and Dana Garvis is working, I guess and uh and and Dana started crying i I didn't know she cared, <laughs> and uh I figured she'd shout for joy, but that was a big transition in our lives, a big transition, but you know what? You know, I moved out at eighteen. Never moved back. Not not that it's not wrong to move back. You need help sometimes. A lot of kids have done that. We moved in with Karen's parents one time for a couple of months, and that was a blow to my pride. But you got to do what you got to do. But this is my point. You know, and I and I didn't know it at the time. I remember I'm thinking about all that training my mom gave me. And and I had some good step parents, but a lot of it came from my mom. We had other people that were like parents to us. And I told this story here a while back and I didn't really underst I didn't grasp it at the time, but I remember I think it was in eighty two and uh there was some new Nike basketball shoes. This is nineteen eighty two back when uh mom and garvis was probably making, you know, Three or four hundred dollars a week. I don't know. I didn't know where. I just knew they wrote checks. That's it. Write a check, Mom. And uh, but I wanted a pair of basketball shoes, and they were a hundred dollar bill. That's a lot of money today for a pair of tennis shoes. But she sacrificed, or they sacrificed, and they bought them. But I wore those things for till they wore smooth, slam out. They were a good-looking shoe, but I didn't know it at the time to appreciate what I, the sacrifices that my mom and my step parents that made for me. And I think about the Lord. All I want is it says what, what is verse two to know Jesus and Him crucified. A lot of us don't realize just what did God do for you. And we, a lot of times I overlook it and I don't appreciate it like I should. What did God do for me? What did he, and what is right now? A lot of you are appreciating your blessings, but did you know this? Matter of fact, I was reading a book by uh, and I, uh, Brother Darren asked me about uh, when I told about testimony of Jim Elliott. He said, "Where's that DVD? I'd like to look at it." out of our library and i was reading uh one of the quotes i've got is called his journals now he was the missionary that was killed at 28 years old in the ecuadorian jungle in 1956 and he made a statement that i'm going to make to you and some of you'll get it and some of you won't here's the statement before and it says a man but i'll just qualify it as a person Before a person can be used of God greatly, sometimes God has to wound them deeply. Before a person can be used by God greatly, sometimes God has to wound them deeply. But after He wounds you, how you react to the wound... Is whether or not you'll be used by God greatly. Because sometimes God allows a wound to occur in your life. And how you react to that wound is between you and Him. How you react to your tragedy, your hurdle, or whatever obstacle there may be in your life. And folks, I believe that. I believe a lot of times, oh by the way... You know, after Brother Darren gets through with it, you can get it. Or you can just read the book, whether you're a book person or a DVD person. Later on, when all those missionaries were killed, their wives went in there to those savage Indians and led them to the Lord. Is a pretty cool story. Okay? So all it says here, now God made great sacrifices, huge sacrifices, some that I still don't even comprehend. So that I could have a home in heaven. I mean, think about it. God has a place for me. Right now, I don't own a home on earth. But I do have a home in heaven. Well, if we want to be, if we want revival, if we want to get right with God. Sometimes we have to get out of the way. In verse 3 it says, I was with you in weakness. And in fear and much trembling. This is the Apostle Paul. What is he doing? He's saying, I've got to get myself out of the way. You know what that means? Folks, many times God cannot bless a church because people won't stop thinking about themselves. Instead of thinking about others. I mean... I think about, you know, a lot of times whenever whenever churches are struggling, when churches are are having difficulties or hurdles, you know why? It's because a lot of times people are looking around. Well, what about this one? And what about this? Peter even did that with John. He said, what about John? And Jesus said, I don't care if John sits on his backside and does nothing. What is that to you? serve me he kept telling feed my sheep feed my sheep do you love me do you love me well feed my sheep serve me and that's when Peter looked at John and said what about him isn't that a way a lot of us do you know have you ever and I've invited people to church and they say well I know so-and-so goes there and I know how they live see they're looking horizontally instead of vertically I mean, we think what, all I need is Jesus in order to have revival. All I need is Jesus in order to have a good marriage. All I need is Jesus in order to have a right relationship. That's where it all begins. Get self out of the way. Well, you just don't understand, preacher. I'm hurt. I'm this. I'm that. Self will haunt you. The rest of your life. Philippians 2. Deals with the same issue. I don't have time to deal with that. Matter of fact. You know the Colossians 3 scripture is a great scripture. But I don't have time. Look at verse 4 and 5. What do people see in me? What do people see when they see your life? Verse 4 and 5, And my my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So, every one of you, every one of you, and myself included, have a reputation. Every one of you have a reputation. Now, y'all know what a, now I'm just going to give it to you in in country terminology, all of you can understand that. What is your reputation? Your reputation is what people think of you, right or wrong. Oh, people misjudge me. They don't really know what makes me tick. Well, if you're putting it out there, that's all people see So your reputation, right or wrong, is what people think of you. You know what your character is? Your character is who or what you really are when nobody else is around. Your character is who you are, no matter what anybody thinks of you. And it's usually just between you and God. Does that make sense? Reputation, character. So, so listen to me very closely, very closely. I'm trying to make this as simple as I can. If you want revival, stop thinking about your reputation, what other people are thinking of you, and just worry about your character. Your character is just between you and God. We need to, and, and that's what Paul's saying. I came, I tried to put away myself, and I wanted people to just see Jesus, and I I wanted people to say, there's a man of God. That's it. They saw the demonstration of the Holy Spirit in my life. Now, I ask you this. Can people tell that you're a Christian? I mean, whenever people are around you, when people listen to you, What are the first, I mean, are you lifting up the Lord? Are you tearing others down? Are you lifting up people? Do people, when they leave your presence, are they encouraged or discouraged? That's not asking a whole lot. Here's a a tough one for me. When people leave my presence, are they uh, closer to God or further away from God? You see what I mean? Well, I know it's about 12.03, so I'm going to just... Pull out the big double barrel. And my big double barrel is Jeremiah 29. Jeremiah 29. Let's end with a big double barrel. This scatter shotgun to get us all.
2: <clears throat>
1: I need revival. I've been more worried about what people think instead of what God thinks. My character is not what it ought to be, and in jeremiah chapter twenty nine verse eleven, I'll begin there, for I know the thoughts in some versions it says plans, the plans that I think towards you saith the Lord thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Then shall you call upon me, and you shall go and pray unto me, and I will hearken or hear you. And you shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. And I will be found of you, saith the Lord, and I will turn away your captivity, and I will gather you from all nations where the, and from the places where I have driven you, saith the Lord. And I will bring you again into the place whence I caused you to be carried away captive. When are you going to find the Lord? When you search for Him with all your heart. But a lot of you aren't there yet. A lot of, and, and, and folks, I've been there. Am I too busy to seek the Lord? Am I too busy? What's going on? Am I searching for God with all my heart? Boil it down to the basics, folks. This is a Bible. And in it, we have the words of life. We can have revival. We can have revival services. When will I find the Lord? When I seek him with all my heart. As we prepare for a hymn invitation. Would you bow with me for a word of prayer, please? Father, I bow before you this afternoon, just thanking you for blessing our church so very much. Thanking you for... Allowing us just a little bit of time to worship you. Father, we need revival. I need to get self out of the way. I need to stop thinking about my my own uh, needs and think about others, lifting others up. And I know it's when I serve others that you will lift me up in turn. Your word says to humble myself before you and you will lift us up. Father, I pray that if there's any discouraged this morning, that they would be encouraged. Not by what Michael Reese said, but by what your word says. Father, that we would seek you with all of our heart. Father, I pray for our speaker, ones that are coming to work, dear Lord. May we all be willing, I pray for the families that are going through tough times right now. Dear Lord, lift them up. Father, we give you all the praise and honor and glory in Jesus' name. Amen.